planes, trains, automobiles, and time travelers, and welcome back to Rosé Till Christmas Day, a show where we uncork a bottle and enjoy some cheesy holiday favorites. I'm Abby, and I'm joined by your lovely Christmas co-host, Emma. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong podcast. Well, I mean, we did just do some Star Warsy Christmas stuff over the weekend. We so. did. We did. We yeah. um, we did a live watch. It was me, Emma, and Jess did a live watch for Lousy Beautiful Town of the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, uh, and it was a fucking delight. <laughs> I, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Like everybody was like singing its praises, and I was like, oh, okay, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just kind of stole my little heart. <laughs> right? It was so good. Ah, so. I spilled that myself. Ah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was an absolute delight, and uh, it should be the episode should be coming out this week. Um, who knows? I might have a lot of time on my hands, considering I might be sick. So yeah. <laughs> And that sickness might be COVID. <laughs> Let's hope. It's just a cold. Yep. Let's hope. Yep. It's a cold. <laughs> and also, shout out to the Illinois COVID response team for losing a whole ass test. Yep. They lost my initial test. I took. I got tested on Tuesday. We're recording this on a Monday. So they told me two to five days. Yesterday was day five, and I was like, okay, if I don't hear by the end of today, I'm going to call. And so then I did, because my friend also got tested, same place, um, on Wednesday, so the day after me. And she heard within two days, and I was like, what the fuck? So they were like, yeah, something got messed up with the test. And I'm like, you don't say. (laughs) But it probably works out better, because I didn't start feeling sick until yesterday. Um, okay. And I've had a couple of other possible exposures, <laughs> uh, aside from the one that I initially went to get tested for. So, ah, ain't it grand? Ain't it grand? <laughs> but you know what? I'm really happy to be here. Yesterday was a bad brain day for Abby's, so we mm-hmm. delayed recording, and that's why this episode is coming out late. I apologize, my friends, but I'm feeling mentally a lot better today and i'm stoked to talk about these movies because these are the kind of movies that we made this podcast for (laughs) the quality of these movies has been too damn high Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just bring it down and Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but before we get into that emma what you drinking tonight I'm not drinking anything. I'm eating a candy cane. No, oh, Mazel Tov. Thanks. That sounds lovely. I what? A, I don't. <laughs> Why are you saying Mazel Tov? I don't know. <laughs> Emma, I'm sick. Leave me alone. I might have COVID. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> uh, uh, candy canes are lovely. I haven't had a candy cane in a long time. Well, I thought I bought peppermint candy and fruity candy canes but it turns out it's just fruity candy so oh i mean i'm not mad about it but mm. also i was lied to bamboozled <laughs> God, 
was bamboozled like we were for the holiday. Yeah. It's a holiday of candy canes. It really is. I mean, it's a caramel flavor, so I'm like, oh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you hear lots of rustling in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a cup of tea, lemon and ginger. Um, but because my throat feels like garbage and all sorts of stuff like that, I also added a little bit of honey, which I don't usually do. Um, and then I also added just, just, just a splash, just a splash of whiskey. Um, <laughs> so like a spin on a hot toddy, I guess. Um, yeah. But because it's not a black Sounds tea. Sounds delicious. Uh, but it is. Yes, it's it's not bad. Um, could probably do with more whiskey, but that's OK. It's a Monday night. <laughs> we don't need that much whiskey. <laughs> And I used a, I, this might be sacrilege, but I used a Japanese whiskey um, because it was better than the Jack Daniels we had. So, I mean, Jack Daniels is a pretty low bar. Jack Daniels is very low bar. I don't even like so. Jack and Coke. Uh, Emma, what have you done this week to get in the, the, the Christmas spirit, the, get in some holiday um, cheer? I'm listening to a few more of my. Uh... Uh, Chris albums, and oh. I bought my nephew's present. You did, yeah. This is his. Is this his first Christmas? Yeah. Oh. So it's the one where nobody knows what to get him because he's too. Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm what did you get him? Books. Ah. Yeah. That's nice. Then, I'm sure I'm sure your sister will appreciate that too. Well, and that's kind of what I'm hoping for is that if yeah. nothing else, books and then we'll we'll save this flash your gift for his first birthday, I think. There you go. And... Usually usually around this age it's like you're mostly buying stuff for mom and dad. So Yeah. Well, I was pla- originally planning on getting him like the most annoying toys I could think of, but <laughs> um you know, they're just a little too chill and they never seem that annoyed with me, so that might be them. Auntie Emma coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, one year my grandparents got me a Tickle Me Elmo and I don't oh, think God. my family's ever forgiven them for that. So. Oh, dear God. I wouldn't either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy! <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I still have like the the like rotation of his like giggles like just like uh-huh. firmly implanted in my brain. They will never leave me. You did a really good job. That impression of of Elmo giggles was really good. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, like it's like when he's like he goes into like those fits and it's just like the, but it also is lacking the buzz of the mechanics going yeah. as he like completely freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a Tickle Me Elmo. That was like the coolest toy I think I ever got for Christmas was the Tickle yeah. Me Elmo. Other than some like pretty cool Barbies, I guess. <laughs> but I never got a Furby when I was a kid, and that was like, <sighs> was, like no, be the thankful biggest... you never got a Furby. <laughs> I had one. It was terrifying. <laughs> It scared the bejesus out of me, and I'm pretty positive we took the batteries out of it, and we put it in the hallway closet, and it was still making noise. 
And then, like, 20... Yeah, and like 20 years later, one of my clients brought a Furby to group and I wanted to throw it across the fucking room. I was like, get that shit out of my group room. And they're like, but he's cute. And I'm like, no, that is no. I think like Furby core is like a thing on Tumblr. Oh, yeah. People fucking, kids fucking love Furby now. I'm like, stop. Stop. They're terrifying. But there's also like an ironic love to yeah. it as well. Oh, yeah. Versus yeah. like when I was 10, I just wanted the damn because everybody else had it. Oh, I hated it. I hated that thing. It was the worst gift, <laughs> gift I've ever gotten. Did you ever have a Gigapet? Yes! Oh my god. Oh my god! I didn't, And then I... there was also like nano pets, and then like yes. you always felt like trash when they died, but also like they like would never tell you what they actually needed. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh, those were banned from school, but we all still brought them anyway. <laughs> Ugh, reminiscing. Good old 90s, 2000s toys. (laughs) Those, yeah. When I think of, like, the cool toys of my generation, Gigapets, and then Furbies were it. Yeah. Oh, and also those, um, I also got one of those uh, flying, like, fairy dolls (gasps) that, like, really whacked you in the face if you got too close. And I did get whacked in the face a couple of times. <laughs> like the one, the one for the one that there's a America's Funniest Home video of where, where she flies into the a- fireplace. Yes. flying to her doom and they're helpless to stop (laughs) oh my god and then they had like little mini ones from mcdonald's yeah 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 i I had one of those oh my god do you remember hit clips i remember the commercials for them but they never really took off within my kid groove i had one they're really stupid they were so stupid. They're so stupid. But I think I got that as a stocking stuffer one year, and I was like, mm. what? Yeah. You can listen to 20 seconds of a song by Faith Hill. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> did you have something else that you did to get in holiday spirit? I am currently trying to dry oranges so I can make a garland at some point. And mm-hmm. I finished... Well, no, I... I finished a couple of the things I'm going to throw in my cards this year, but I have not touched the Christmas cards yet, which I feel really guilty about, but I haven't done my Christmas cards yet either because life, (laughs) but like, I know what we want to do for the Christmas card picture this year. Yeah. Are you doing a picture this year? Yeah. Yeah. The plan is that um, we're going to do matching jammies, me, Chris and Chuck. And Aww. take it in front of the Christmas tree, and then that will be our Christmas card picture. So I was briefly considering like doing a photo shoot, but like I'd have like my baby Yoda in my porch. <gasps> <laughs> That's genius. Oh, we should include our baby Yoda and our gigantic porg. Oh, do the giant porg! Yeah, if giant porg was part of our yeah, giant porg was part of our 2018 Christmas card. Yeah, what? it would have been 2018 Christmas cards. I just remember Chuck. Chuck was also on there. Okay. Yeah. It was mostly <laughs> Chuck. But, yes. Christmas cards. Good times. 
I don't know. What have I done to get in the holiday? Well, we did watch the Star Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, and that made me feel mm-hmm. very Christmassy. Um, and then uh, Chris today put up all of the the Christmas lights for outside. Oh, because it was in the in the forties today, and it's supposed to snow tomorrow. So it was get like the now. perfect. Yep, it was like the perfect day to get outside and. And then the when you come up. home tomorrow, you'll be in a winter wonderland. <laughs> um, I actually think he left a little bit ago to get more lights because <gasps> uh, God, Chris is, Chris is a Griswold at heart. Um, and he wouldn't <laughs> even understand that reference because he's never seen those movies. No, um, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, I've only seen Christmas Vacation once, so I can't really blame him. Yeah, I don't. I haven't. Well, no, I've seen the other one, but Christmas Vacation is the one that rings true. <laughs> but um, so that made me feel a little, little cormacy. Made me feel nice and cormacy. But other than That's that, what... not much because I just feel like butt. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Maybe this week there'll be some more Christmassy stuff. Especially yeah. since this week is uh, American Thanksgiving and so everybody else will Christmas be on officially. our level. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that helps. Officially kicks off this year. Yeah. So. Woohoo. Excited. So are we ready to talk about our movies? I am very ready. I was born ready. Oh, wow. Emma came out the womb wanting to talk about Christmas on wheels. Yep. Yep. This is (laughs) what my mother knew as soon as she saw me, and that's why she (laughs) named Emma. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk Christmas on Wheels. Yeah. Uh, so Christmas on Wheels is a lifetime, or is it Hallmark? It's lifetime. It's lifetime. Okay. Christmas on Wheels is a lifetime movie directed by Marita Grabayek. Sure. Yep. Uh, and it was written by Tammy Klembeth, George Klembeth, and Barbara Kimlicka. Hmm. Nothing as good Those as Justin Dean. Those are some Dean. last names. Here. Those are some last names. Those are wow. some last names. Uh, and our movie stars one of our favorite people, Tia Sirkar, as Ashley. Uh, Michael Xavier as Duncan. Randy Thomas as Tony. Kate Herman as Charlotte. And Kristen Koenig as Hannah. What? Kristen I didn't know Koenig. we were going to... Okay. We need to take a shot because Kristen Koenig showed up as <laughs> Hannah again. Here, hang on. <laughs> we're doing this. We're, we're taking a shot. You, oh, you're legitimately taking a shot, Emma. Yep. <laughs> if for somehow y'all found our podcast not through being Star Wars fans, which kudos to you. Thank you. Um, Tia Sarkar is part of the Star Wars Star Wars world. Uh, she plays Sabine Wren, and that's how we were introduced to Tia. And then Tia also played uh, Vicky on The Good yes. Place, and if you... we love her dearly. Yes. So Tia's a Mando. So yes, <laughs> it's a very Mando Christmas. Yes, it's a very Mando Christmas. Oh my god, now we want a Mandalorian Christmas special. <laughs> 
I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Carol at the end that says, This is the way. I haven't even taken the shot yet. Hang on. <laughs> oh my god. All right. We're good. Slancha. <laughs> okay. Shall we get into it? Let's. So we open our movie with a little bit of a flashback of Ashley, our main character, and her mom um, getting into this very fancy red vintage convertible. Um, but Ashley and her mom used to drive around in her mom's convertible and deliver Christmas gifts um, to the people in the town when Ashley was a kid. And that's kind of like our setup to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then time has gone on and Ashley now works in the antique auction industry. I don't I really know what she does. Because at one point she t- she says, my job has me go to all these Christmas auctions this time of year. And I'm like, fucking industry are you in? Like, I legitimately cannot. Oh, right. Like, <laughs> I don't think, because I don't think she's a buyer for, like, other people. Because she looks like she's mostly just buying for herself. Yeah. So, but then, like, ooh, she mentions work spends her out, so right. maybe she maybe she does work in, like, antiques? I, maybe. She wants to open her own Christmas antique store at some point. Um, so she has, like, a, a shit ton of Christmas antiques, um, which will come into That's play later. That's such a niche. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do antiques, this one thing. If you're doing Christmas antiques, I'm like, lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, that's specifically what she wants her store to be. Like, that's... Fuck, gotta hold you over. No. No. Anyways. It reminds me of uh, uh, the store in Last Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but that one's like a kind of tacky Christmas store. And so oh, you can yeah. See it's appeal for your lounge. If she was like an antique store that was also like part of like a grander Christmas store, I would understand it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but we start at an auction. We truly start our story at an auction. And Ashley wants this Christmas angel bell that she's been tracking down, I guess. Um, and it has sentimental value to her. Uh, but we run into our leading man, Duncan, who also wants it. And way outbids her. Uh, yeah. And she gets very upset and she's just like, do you even understand like the sentimental value that that item holds? And he's just like, oh, no, like I'm just going to hold on to it until it increases in value over the years and then sell it again. Um, which yeah. honestly isn't that bad of an idea. <laughs> it's not a terrible idea, but like, also I fucking hate retail <laughs> Yeah, same. Big same. <laughs> Uh, so Ashley goes home empty-handed and very upset. Um, and also, talk. but before that, she talks with somebody she works with, question mark, who is also the auctioneer. Uh, and they mention her wanting to have her own store and needing a space for her store. And the person's like, well, when you need help, I'll do it. And then it's like, okay. Thank you, friendly uh, plot device. That's really appreciate. I really <laughs> appreciate your help. Friendly plot device. 
You you uh, have no other value to me other than being a plot device. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, Ashley goes home to her very decked out Christmas apartment, question mark. Uh, and she gets a call from Charlotte, who is dating her Uncle Tony um, and has been for like 10 years. But she gets a call from Charlotte telling her that Tony has broken his foot and she wants Ashley to come and help her take care of him because Charlotte is a baker. And so this time of year gets really busy. Um, but he he's he's pretty mobile. He's in a walking cast and full and full weight bearing status. He he's he's right. He might need like I don't know, like you might like be fetching things for him at mm-hmm. best, but like a caretaker, he does not need. Yeah, I feel like there's discharge planning that would have happened in the <laughs> ER. No, and like and I'm only saying this because like I have to deal with this shit sometimes, but like his. Either his girlfriend was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll call my niece. It'll be fine. But otherwise, like, they probably would have been like, yeah, so you can wait there. Like, just don't do too much on it. Um, right. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We can just get him set up and we can, like, make sure he's close to the bathroom. It's fine. It's fine. Right. She didn't need to be there. <laughs> right. Right. Long story short. Well, it's basically just a ruse to get her home for Christmas. And it's like, well, why didn't you just ask her to come home for Christmas? Seriously. You're her, like, like, last remaining family. It's okay. Right. You can be like, hey, we miss you. Please come home for Christmas. And, like, also your uncle's just, like, hurt his foot, so he can't really do much in town. So, like, if you could come by, that would be, Mm -hmm. like, just, like, make it part of the pitch, not the entire pitch. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) So Ashley agrees, uh, and she goes home for Christmas to the tiny town of Robbinsville in washington i don't know if that's a real place but the apparently we are in washington state according to the license plates um except we're definitely in canada yeah (laughs) did they actually actually, film it in canada yeah because i remember i saw on tia's uh, instagram page she was she was like posing and she was in canada and it was like um one of the first big productions that kind of got started up again um Mm. during covid Mm-hmm. so i know she was that and also it yeah. seems like a lot of these lifetime hallmark movies get filmed in canada it's cheaper yeah hmm. um and so she goes and she surprises tony and gets a, gives him this like very nice antique walking cane and oh. Why would you give him an antique walking cane? <laughs> like, I don't know. Stable in him. I, I don't know. <laughs> Her whole personality is antiques, Emma. <laughs> Fair. Sorry, I'm putting too much. I'm putting too much. <laughs> I'm asking too much for a lifetime. <laughs> uh, but basically, we're at dinner. It's uh, Ashley, Tony, and Charlotte, and Ashley's like hey, like, when are y'all gonna get married? And they're like, mm, no, we've been together for business, 10 years. <laughs> right, like, we've been together for 10 years and we've been doing pretty okay so far. Like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, but there's a knock at the door and guess who's here but Duncan. What? Because he's what Tony the state lawyer. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And in these awkward interactions with Duncan, we find out that Tony ended up selling Ashley's mom's car. 
and Ashley is very, very upset because, you know, obviously she has a very emotional connection to the car, but Tony talks about like, it was just sitting there in the, in the barn basically for years and was falling into disrepair. And when he said something to her about it, she basically said like, you know, you do what you feel is right. And if that means getting rid of it, that's fine. But she still has the audacity to guilt them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like you, you told them that they you, could get you rid said of it. it was okay, Ashley. Right. You told him. Right. And now everybody feels bad. And now you're just going to turn the whole town upside down looking for this car, aren't you? Yep. Yep. Tony's <laughs> like, let's find the car. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's the next day and Ashley goes into town and everything is modern. Like these stupid triangle Christmas decorations that like literally nobody, when they're like trying to bring the town into the 21st century is going to do that. That's something that would happen in like a big city outside of a bank, not in a small town. Yeah. You know. (sighs) But you know big bank buildings? Yeah. 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 That's exactly what it would be outside of like a very tall bank building. This is true. Yes. But Bonnie's here. Actually, her name is Hannah, but Bonnie's here and she's working for the city. She's working for the city. And she has a husband named Clayton, and he's in construction. So how the turntable? <laughs> she actually now she's the important the city planner. She <laughs> <laughs> now Kristen Kurtick is the city planner. <laughs> we love twenty first century women. Oh my god, she technically works for like it works in lights. No one has a clearly defined job except for, like, Tony, Charlotte, and Duncan. Everybody else is up to interpretation. (laughs) Uh, The Lifetime movie. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Anyway, Ashley runs into Duncan, and they're talking about, like, "Mm, things have sentimental value. And Ashley thinks she sees her mom's old car driving down the street and literally chases after it. But turns out it's just the mayor's red, regular old compact car. And she was seeing things. Um, And Duncan feels bad because he was the one who helped Tony sell the car. And so he's like, I'm going to help you track down this car. Like, we're going to do it. And it's like, I don't know if that's ethical. Is it something about it just feels just not quite right it's like no, no like you've played your part sir Sam's side she's gonna go after it this is gonna be on her also right. I feel like there's a confidentiality thing if you're mm-hmm. like selling mm-hmm. I don't uh... <clears throat> I don't know how that works I'm reporting him way. to the Washington bar well, I mean, like he makes a big deal about client confidentiality a couple of times when because like Duncan and Tony are up to something and like Ashley's trying to figure out what they're up to and he's like client confidentiality but then when she turns on the puppy dog eyes because of a car he's like sure let's look through all of my records to find out who we sold this car to (laughs) oh but anyway Duncan and Ashley go to visit the car um and they meet Mr. Lawson uh, and he, I don't know, he gives me the creeps. I don't he like He has bodies in his basement. 
Yeah. This man has like, bodies uh, in the basement. He's a very he's just a little too charming. Do you know what I mean? Y- yeah. Yeah. Like he just, nobody's he that happy movies. all the time. What are you trying mm. to lure them in for, Mr. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but he collects sleighs and sleds. And it's he collects and- sleighs to cover up the fact that he's yeah. a slayer. <laughs> so he can drag the bodies around. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, thought the red the red the red car would help cover up the blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess I guess the reason he ended up buying the car is because like he heard of the story of, of the car being used to like deliver gifts kind of like a sleigh. Uh, and so he bought the car and like one day this guy came over or something like that and saw the car and his eyes lit up because like he used to get, he used to get toys from the, from Christmas on wheels with the, with the charity drive as a kid. And so his eyes like lit up when he saw the car and Mr. Lawson being the weird the complete weirdo that he is is like so i just gave it to him yep is so i'm guessing he has he has done something with bodies and this car and he's trying to like pass off the evidence he's trying to cover it up And he's like, and like nobody, nobody, like the Nobody's dude. Like, apparently, like it, questions it. Like he's just like, cool, a free car. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, um, and like, if that's a vintage car, you don't just yeah. give it away to some rando unless there's some, yeah, some things about. It, it, it is a, a a nice vintage car. Like apparently, yeah. it they they have a hard like it's not working. Like it won't start. But otherwise, the car is in perfect condition, and he just gives it away like a creep. But anyway, they're like, well, that sucks, and decide to go home, and uh, Duncan's car breaks down. They have a heart-to-heart when this happens, and Ashley knows a lot about cars from her mom, and like people are surprised because a woman knows about cars. You know uh, how to fix a car? Right. But you are a woman. <laughs> you, you are a dainty lady. What do you mean you know about engines? You should know about sewing. <laughs> uh, but Ashley still wants to find that car. So she decides that she's going to go through all of the books that her mom kept of like, you know, who participated in the charity drive, what they would you know, buy, like what, not they would buy, but like what they wanted and what they received and stuff like that. And somehow like that's going to tell her who is getting, who got the car because Mr. Lawson couldn't remember the guy's name. So she goes through all of the books. Courtney doesn't uh, remember the guy's name. He doesn't want to look he was he was planning on murder he was probably like planning on murdering him and then like some i don't know something came over him where he was just like wait never mind i can pawn the car off on this guy yeah (laughs) this unsuspecting gentleman It it would it would it would be cleaner this way you know yes yes um, but apparently, like, everybody and their mother in this town loved this car. And I, I mean, like, I get it. 
because, you know, obviously it was a thing that brought the community together um, to make sure that everybody in the town got a gift on Christmas. But like, people are fucking obsessed with this car and want the car back because apparently it's the car that gives the gifts, not the, you know, people. But they figure out who the car was given to, and it was given to the people who own the Griffin's tree farm. And so they go there, and I don't remember what the guy's name, I think his name is like Mark or Matt, or I think it's Matt, something like that. Um, And gay in my lifetime movie? I'm not gonna lie. It could be mentioned. It can be mentioned, but it was so inconsequential. I actually uh-huh. completely missed it. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I did not catch on that. He- <laughs> That's funny. Because he's like, my husband's out in the field, meaning like the Christmas tree farm field. And I was like, what? His what? But then like, we never see his husband. <laughs> it's just he has a husband. See, but it's like the little things that kind of make. Yeah, yeah. And, like, nobody bats an eye at it. It's just my husband's out in the field. So I'll come show you. I'll show you the car. (laughs) Um, But before they go in, uh, Ashley is, like, reminiscing about how much she loves Griffin's tree farm. Because, like, everybody and their mother in Robbinsville got their tree here. And um, Duncan grew up in Robbinsville before moving away for a bit of time. Um, and she's like, well, didn't you come here to get your Christmas tree? And he's just like, oh, no, we uh, actually just cut down a random one on the side of the road. So we kind of get like hints about Duncan's yeah, childhood. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, they go to see the car and it's great. Car doesn't work, though. Can't get it to work. But apparently there is nothing like physically wrong with the car. It just won't turn on. Uh, and And so... Matt decides that he's going to pay it forward and just give her the car. Again, he's got a very nice car and you're just going to give it? He's an accomplice to murder. Oh. That's why he has it! Yeah. They went after some homophobes together! <laughs> All coming together! You know what? You know what? Then if, if if Mr. Lawson has a basement full of homophobes, of dead homophobes, then it's yes. fine. <laughs> you know? We stand. <laughs> he's, he's, he's turned his passion, his thirst for blood into something that actually works to help his community. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, this is Mr. Lawson's praxis. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> they get the car back to Tony's house and we have a cleaning up the car montage um which That's is basically just <laughs> basically just Tia's car smiling and wiping down the car back and forth the same spot on the car for like five minutes um but then like she and duncan have a flirty moment and she's like i know what you're doing and then they smell snickerdoodles or whatever and they go inside the house and tony charlotte and ashley and duncan end up playing a christmas game that makes no sense Christmas board game, like Christmas trivia board game, and the prize is cookies. Um, and Ashley gets surprised that Duncan does, in fact, know things about 
Christmas and like why you put an angel on the top of a tree. Um, like why that is a traditional tree topper. And she's just like, what? You care about Christmas? You're a human being with complexities? Right. Just because you don't care about Christmas the way that I do? <laughs> like, ah! Anyway, we find out that apparently we need a vintage tailpipe to get the car to work. I guess. So, yeah. Ashley goes to Duncan's to drop something off for Tony, uh, and then is like, hey, we need a vintage tailpipe, and he's like, cool, I'll look and see if, like, any of my, you know, clients are, you know, do, like, vintage car stuff and see if I can reach out to people. Turns out, no, but he does know that there is a metal worker in town at the Christmas market, and... Uh, they go to the metal worker at the Christmas market, and she's a very bad actress. And <laughs> they <laughs> they get her to make a tailpipe for them, basically. Yeah. And then it's nighttime. Because, like she doesn't have anything else going on around no. the holidays. She can definitely no. just like whip up a tailpipe. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Great. But it's nighttime in the town and Ashley and Duncan decide that they're going to get rid of all of these modern Christmas decorations and like actually decorate the town uh, for Christmas. And apparently they do this all by themselves at night. So kudos. Not sketchy at all. No. But you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, then Ashley gets her tailpipe like the next day. Again, this woman has nothing better to do. Mm. I was a highly skilled metal worker around the holidays. Right. She put little wings in it, though, which is kind of cute. Yeah. And so she goes back home. Tony and Duncan are having a conversation, and they're being shady when she comes in. And they're like, no, we're not doing anything. Nothing. We're not doing anything. Uh, And We're not hiding anything behind our backs. No, No, definitely not. Nothing. Um. And so Tony's like, why don't you, why don't you put the tailpipe on? Because she's like, my mechanic is busy or something like that. And he's like, you, you know, your way around a car, you can do it. So Duncan helps her get the tailpipe on by handing her the things that she asks him to. And they, Ashley gets in the car to try and turn the car on, won't turn on. But then Duncan magically sits in the car and the car works. Yay. And their first decision is to let's take this on a drive. This car that hasn't worked in years and now is suddenly working for like two seconds. Let's take it on a drive. (laughs) So they drive the car through town. Everyone is super excited to see the car. We get a shot of Tia having to park the car. She can't park the car for shit. That is not it within a parking spot. (laughs) What? Oh, no. It's just just stupid. Like she parks in two spots. Oh, that's Tia. rude. That's I rude. Hope that was a directional choice, and not. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, but then we get some of Ashley's tragic backstory. She hasn't been home for Christmas since her mom passed away because it's too painful. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony kept the charity going through like the toy drive at church, but the car never went back out. Um, and then we find out a little bit about. Duncan's tragic backstory where his dad had lost his job when he was a kid and times were really tough. So they always got really excited to see the car at Christmas because then that meant that they were going to get toys. 
but he wasn't happy to see the car or to get the gifts, but for the girl in the car that looked like an angel. And it was Ashley. Aww. Oh my God. He's Aww. been in love with her from afar since they were children. Uh, <laughs> and then they moved away and now he's back and he got to meet his angel are you Aww. an angel <laughs> they hear the most beautiful creatures in the whole galaxy <laughs> they come from the red car down Iago's street <laughs> you're a funny little boy <laughs> The car randomly starts playing a romantic Christmas song out of nowhere. And they were their response to that is, we should get the car back because maybe it's going to explode. Uh, so Ashley decides that, you know what? We have the car. We're going to bring back the toy drive. And uh, it's only a couple of days before Christmas. So they have to get money quickly to be able to buy all of the toys. Uh, so they decide that they're going to raise money with a bake sale. Uh Stealing Charlotte. Charlotte from her very busy job. Right. She's already very, baking a lot. Her very busy job that is making, that made it difficult for her to help her partner around the house, but she can just drop everything for a bake sale. Mm-mm. Okay. Anyway. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't no. Work like- no. Um, so Charlotte, Ashley, and, and Bonnie slash Hannah slash slash Kristen Koenig, uh, all help out to make some of the stuff. And Ashley gets a call at some point, and it's the weird, it's the random plot device girl from the beginning saying like, hey, that space that you wanted is now for lease, and you should jump on it now. Do you want me to send you the paperwork? And Ashley's like, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, let's do it. Uh, during that, Ashley finds a ring appraisal certificate. And that is what, Tony and Duncan have been shady about is that uh, he's been getting this ring appraised. Legit, I was like, I hope this isn't like Duncan getting the ring appraised. Like, they haven't even kissed yet. That would have been bad. And then it didn't click to me that it would be for Tony and Charlotte. Mm. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Stop it. Um, and we also find out that the town had made a a petition to have the traditional Christmas decorations. So Ashley and Duncan are a force for change. Uh, At Christmas. Yeah. So they don't get enough money from the bake sale and... I guess I don't I don't remember why what happened. I just I put Ashley has a thing for festive antiques. Oh, it was a conversation between her and Duncan about how much yeah, she the- festive antiques at the bake sale. Um and they end up talking about the ring because she's worried that like he's getting that Tony is getting the ring appraised to sell it because it was her great grandmother's ring who her great grandmother got married on Christmas and was the reason that her mom and uncle Tony love Christmas so much. And so she was worried that he was going to sell it. And Duncan's like, nah, like, I'm not going to tell you what it's for, but like, don't worry. He's not going to sell it. Um, and they give it to me so I can propose. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. That would have been bad. (laughs) That would have been so bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
but they're like, we don't have enough money. We didn't make enough money for the bake sale. What are we going to do? And then Ashley decides that she's going to auction her entire collection, basically, that she has been saving to open her store with. And yeah. Ah! That just like, ah! it, mm-hmm. like makes me so anxious. I'm like, you have spent so much money. Uh-huh. And you're but, just going to uh, auction it off to this small town. Okay. <laughs> But it's nighttime now, and Ashley and Duncan are bonding in front of the toy store. This is the toy store that um, that they get all the gifts from, and mm-hmm. like they're having this nice little conversation. And all of a sudden, the headlights of the car come on because they're having like a little bit of a romantic conversation. But one of the lights is out, and how is she going to drive around? With a light out, and it's gonna be so hard to find one because it has to be this specific vintage bulb. But don't worry, we find out later that Bonnie has a light because it was she works such a non-issue. Because Bonnie was, was just like, "Oh yeah, hey guys, I got it. It's fine. <laughs> here we go." I think this will work. <laughs> also, there's a movie theater in the background, and like, I'm pretty positive that they were playing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and I was Never just like. <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> you know the book series by uh, Daniel Radcliffe? Well, yeah, I've heard of the book series. I don't know what the Sorcerer's Stone is, though. Yeah, oh, uh, oh, uh, the Philosopher's Stone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was such a random thing to be having played at a movie in 2020, a movie theater in 2020. I, you know what? <laughs> okay, okay. For the, like, I would, I, in their defense, I would say the first two play really, really well for the holidays. I agree. I so agree. I can't really blame them for that. They're kind of like a Christmas movie in the way that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Anyway, um, we get Duncan and Ashley flirting over the car. Okay. They're, you know, we're getting more of them, like, ooh, getting together. They're bonding. Mm-hmm. They're but then we have love at Christmas. <laughs> We get, uh, they're, they're going to practice for the auction and they're like, who's going to be the auctioneer? And both of them say, I will at the same time. And so they like Tony and Charlotte, like have them audition to be the auctioneer. And then they decide like, oh, both of them are going to be the auctioneers because they have such great chemistry. Hmm. They are pretty cute together. They are. They are. Um, and Duncan asks, like, you know, like, what's your plan for after this? And Ashley's like, well, I'm supposed to go back to Seattle. Um, and, like, that's the plan, is I'm not sticking around here. But the car doesn't want her to. And starts playing music and flashing its lights. And they're like, that's what weird. The and then just get in the car. <laughs> you can so easily play this for horror. Like, oh, my God. Right? What are you doing? No! Right. The car what's the pressed. what's the what's the horror car movie? Oh, I can't remember. What is that? Oh, I'm so dumb. Horror car. And hope that you're actually gonna Google this. Yeah. Why are there so many killer car movies? Because <laughs> cars are a source of fear for many Americans. Yeah. Well. Christine? Okay, but like, listen to me, listen to me. I put all the people together. What? So Mr. Lawson oh. is playing devil. 
And that, and he was actually trying to get the car to be possessed so he could do, get the car to do the dirty work for him. Um, and he was in with uh, the other guy because the other guy was going to like find his hits for him. Like they were in it together. And then um, Ashley shows up and then they kind of knew the jig was up, but they never really got the chance to uncurse the car. And that's why the car is acting. That is genius. Hire me. <laughs> Lifetime. Hire us. <laughs> the car that's going to take down the homophobes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god. So after they practice for the auction, they all go back to Tony and Charlotte's. And Tony and Charlotte actually get engaged. And that was the whole reason for the ring appraisal is because, you know, it's not a bad idea to get a vintage ring appraised before you propose with it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what my, when my dad proposed to my mom, he had gotten his grandmother's ring appraised. Um, and And it was a good idea that he did because that's how he found out that my great aunt stole the diamond from that <gasps> ring and put in a had a fake one put in oh my god i know family drama anyway but like tony proposes to her and it's very sweet like what tony says and charlotte just seems very unenthused but yeah charlotte charlotte doesn't seem like very like enthralled about it which is like cool <laughs> I guess we're doing this. I guess we're doing this. And, uh, it's going to make but... literally no difference to our lives whatsoever, the... but sure, let's get married. <laughs> we can just claim each other on our taxes now. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I... part of me is just like, well, they've been together for 10 years. And it's like, well, you know, you know what? I've been with my partner for almost 10 years. And when he proposes to me, I'm probably going to lose my shit. So you're also not in your 60s. That's true. Are they in their 60s? I don't know. They're old. Yeah. Or they're older. Yeah. But anyways, now they carol because why not? Uh, But at some (laughs) point, yeah. Um, But at some point, Duncan sees Ashley's lease for the shop in Seattle uh, that hasn't even been signed. It just exists. But he gets like heartbroken over this because he thinks that like, oh, we were starting a connection and maybe she won't go back. but he ends up deciding like then and there that he's actually going to go visit his sister instead of spend it in Robbinsville with Ashley and Tony and Charlotte. Um, And this also means that he won't be there for the drive. And Ashley's very upset, like, Hey, what the hell? And he's just like, nah, I just, you know, just decided that I wanted to spend it with my sister instead out of nowhere. Hmm. Um, Ashley and Tony have a conversation where I think it was Ashley and Tony where she's talking about like, she doesn't truly feel fulfilled. Like she's doing all these fun things. She's enjoying her time um, and enjoying what she's doing, but she doesn't have like, she doesn't feel whole. She needs Uh, a penis and a crotch goblin. Oh my God. (laughs) Am I wrong? No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Is this not a Lifetime movie where a penis and a crotch goblin will let her feel fulfilled? Oh, my God. 
Duncan has a gift for Ashley. It's not his penis, but we don't know if he's going to give it to her. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I didn't think this was going to make you so awkward. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's hilarious. I just wasn't expecting it. <laughs> um, but anyways, now it's the next day and it's the actual auction. Or it's going to be the actual auction. Um, but Ashley can't get the car to start. And she's like, what the fuck? I can't get the car to start. Wait, no. That's not what happens. I do think the actual auction happens before Tony and Charlie yep. get engaged. Yep, right. I was correct in my notes. Anyway, the actual auction happened before all of that. <laughs> and basically He's- the town pitches in, they all buy stuff and then- the mayor says, I'll just cover whatever's left. Yep. I don't care. Just For the do fancy it. Christmas clock. Yep. Yeah. I do want that vintage tree from the 50s, though. Yeah. I did like that little tree. I think it's cute. I think they were grossly underselling a lot of those items. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. But, yeah. Duncan's not going to be there for the drive, not the auction. Anyway. Sorry, I got my all all my stuff in a in a tizzy. So it's Christmas on wheels time and Ashley's going to go deliver the presents, but the car won't turn on and the car starts playing music and flashing the lights. And she's just like, Oh my God, I know what it's missing. Like the car is missing something too, not just me. And it it needs its good luck charm. And what do you know? The good luck charm is Duncan. So she goes, she goes and is like Duncan and is surprised that he hasn't left yet. And he's like, Oh, I wasn't able to get a flight out. And she tells him that she wasn't feeling fulfilled because he was what was missing. Um, his penis was what was missing. His, oh my God. The gift of a and Christmas they need penis. To make cr- they need to make crotch goblin. Oh, Emma. <laughs> you're nothing. If you're not married and have babies. Okay. <laughs> How did we get that and the homophobe uh, serial killer out of Christmas on Wheels? Well, I came up with the homophobic serial You came up with both of the things! No, crotch goblins and penis is like a standard in a Lifetime and Hallmark movie. You cannot fight me. (laughs) Try to change my mind. <laughs> uh, but uh Duncan comes with her to deliver the gifts and the gifts are delivered in the middle of the street of the town like they just stop the car and everybody and their mother swarms the car and gets gifts. Um after Including that is- Bonnie's children which like yeah. you and your husband are like well employed you do not need to be part of this charity drive. Right. Ma'am. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Gross. Duncan gives a gift to Ashley at the end. And oh my God, it's the Christmas angel bell that started it all. And then the car plays an upbeat Christmas love song to show its approval. And so they dance in the street and he dips her. They kiss. And the end. The Christmas demon was satisfied. Oh my God. (laughs) The demon that Mr. Lawson summoned. With a Christmas Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> a Luigi board? 
Oh, no. A wiggy board? <laughs> a Waluigi board. <laughs> a Waluigi board. <laughs> Luigi board? The answer a Luigi is... board? The answers are no and yeah. Yeah. Golden, it's a broken Waluigi. <laughs> yep. Which is oh why it's, it's Christmas theme instead of Oh, my God. What is oh, wrong with us? What is wrong with I us? don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Emma, what was the worst part of this movie for you? There's, like, nothing offensive about this movie. No. There's nothing that I'm like, this is the worst. It's kind of like Christmas with a view in that, like, it's fine. There's, it's, yeah, there isn't really anything that, like, truly annoyed me. I yeah. guess it would be saying that your uncle needs help when he's... Yeah, just When he's honest. full weight-bearing to the... <laughs> or he's or... full weight-bearing! He doesn't need the extra help! <laughs> or, like, the fact that, like, when Tony proposes to Charlotte, she's just like, cool, let's get married next Christmas. Yeah. It's like... There was a lot of not very good acting in this movie. <laughs> yeah, mostly from, like, the extras, I would say. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, the main cast was okay, but, the yeah, some of the extras were just not great. No. No. So, I mean, I guess those were the worst parts. Oh, and also her the, her job... No, hang on. We'll go into unbelievable suspension of disbelief. Oh, okay. Okay, so then what was the best part of this movie for you? It was, it kind of had that Klaus factor where, like, the real Christmas is, like, the Mm. way the community comes together. And I thought that was a very good way to kind of, like, center this story around was that, like, it wasn't necessarily that the community lost Christmas spirit. It's that Christmas became just a little bit more magical because of the way the community wanted to give back to each other. Yeah. I agree. So I like that. I agree. And I also yeah. just love Tia. I liked seeing Tia. I, she was great. She was very charming. Her. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your unbelievable suspension of disbelief? Her fucking job. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, is, what the fuck does I, she do? What, what do you do? Are you an auctioneer? Do you buy for an antique store? I, I don't, I'm not really following it. And then you're just going to, like, literally sell everything? Mm-hmm. That you were, and that to a small town of people who already are in need of charity, right? But like, I'm just saying, like, though? there's a few things that could have been like, there's a few things that could have been like thought through a little bit better. Yeah. So also, like, and then just... like, what is she gonna do with her life? She's not gonna take the place in Seattle. So what is what's her next step? True. You know, Christmas magic is great and all, and, like, Christmas penis is great and all, but, like, (laughs) what happens in January? That's true. It is very true. But, like, Mm -hmm. also, like, is the town actually that much in need? Like, Like, I don't know. Are there there people, are there people in the town that are probably in need? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, I mean, even Bonnie and her kids were getting gifts, and they, they, like, like how, like, how, do, how hard, but, like, it's, like, I don't know. Yeah, the financial situation of this town didn't quite make sense either. Right. So. But, like, I mean, if they, if they put it in, like, a, we just, 
it's not it's not necessarily like a charity drive it's just like you know this is something nice that we do yeah to, to make sure everybody gets a gift on christmas and not yeah. because like our our town is so like direly in need like there's a large population of of folks with a lower ses like yeah. then i think it would have been more believable but like the, i think i think this town is pretty okay <laughs> yeah um is it sincere i would say so yeah, yeah. i think the core cast yes does like does a good job i didn't think there was anything like wildly like like wildly incompetent about the filmmaking it was what it was there's a couple scenes mm-hmm. where i'm like e couldn't have done something else but you mm-hmm. know what yeah it for it is what it is so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, think, I yeah <laughs> i think that um tia and then who was the guy that played duncan what was his name um michael xavier they they had very nice chemistry i really liked the yeah. two of them um yeah I liked the familial chemistry between like yeah. Ashley and um, Tony and Charlotte. I thought that was all yeah. all very believable. So I did really enjoy yeah. Tony too. I think Tony Tony was seems like a was, good guy. Yeah, he seems like a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's like but kind yeah, of the funny, that. goofy, eccentric—not eccentric, but like he's the goofy uncle. Yeah, um, but he's kind of like the goofy uncle to the entire town because he's yeah. the big uh, music teacher in town. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Does it have Christmas magic? Mm, a little bit. Yeah. It was like again, like it was it, but because it was like a lifetime production, in a lot of ways, it just kind of felt sterile. Yeah. Or like, at no point did I believe that these people were actually out in like Washington State in December. Right. You know, like it just looked right. a little too warm. Nothing quite seemed real enough. I don't know. She was able to drive a convertible with the top down in December yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I don't know. Like Washington can be warmer. Yeah. But I mean, like it's also raining most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, fair enough. But like, yeah, I mean. It tries to have Christmas magic, but yeah. I think the fact that it tries so hard, like it's not an effort, like effortless Christmas magic. And like you said earlier, like the the Christmas magic is 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 similar to Klaus in that it's a community coming together to make sure like the other people in their community are served. Um, yeah, and that I would have lucky. liked to have seen more of the children of the town just yeah. being wowed by this convertible because it seemed very focused on the adults and they're like, oh yeah, that thing, oh yeah, I love that thing. Instead of like, right, children actually like experiencing something. I don't know. Yeah, like they lean heavy on the nostalgia thing, and like obviously because it is a is a fictional town, a fictional movie. Like, we're not going to have the nostalgia for the car because no. it wasn't real life. So I think I think it relies too heavy on the nostalgia for the car. And because it does that, like, it ends up falling flat on Christmas magic. Yeah. And, like, what they were trying to make the theme of the movie. Yeah. So. But are we going to raise a glass in rosé cheer or drown our sorrows in Christmas beer? I'll give it a taste of rosé. I don't know if yeah. I'll have a cold glass, but I'll give it a taste. Yeah, like, you know, I'll throw one back, I guess. 
Like, yeah. I don't hate the movie in any way, shape, or form. And I don't regret sitting down for two hours no. and watching this movie. It was a lovely was movie. Quite, it's just... I was quite pleased, yeah. It's just meh. Yeah. Meh sums it up beautifully. Meh. Jingle meh. <laughs> Jingle meh. We, you know what? I feel like that might be something, need to be something that we include next year. <laughs> jingle or meh? Just a, just a jingle meh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Should we move on to A Timeless Christmas? Let's do it. Yes. A Timeless Christmas is the one that gave us the most trouble in terms of how the fuck are we going to watch this. So we're sorry, listeners, if you too <laughs> also have a, had a hard time figuring out how the fuck you're going to watch this. We thought it was going to be a lot easier. Apparently not. We had to do a free trial of a streaming service that still gave us ads. And they want you to spend like 20 bucks a month on it. 20 yeah. bucks a month American. Fuck That's you. That's garbage. No. Yeah. F off. No. Anyway, no. I'm canceling the subscription after we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but A Timeless Christmas is a Hallmark movie. Uh, it is directed by Ron Oliver, and it is written by Ron Oliver and Dwayne Poole. That was mm-hmm. the info I had to scour the internet for, because it wasn't just on IMDb, and I don't know what why. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that doing? I'm assuming that info is correct. So, uh, it stars Aaron Cahill as Megan Turner, Ryan Pavey as Charles Whitley, Brandy Alexander as Amber, Zaf Peru as Dan, and Nelson Wong as Kenny. Shall we? Yes, we shall. We open this movie with an auction. (gasps) It's almost like it's a thematic element for this week. We didn't even plan it. I know to make this week auction week, but it happened. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we start with an auction for this lovely Christmas clock that uh, our our leading male Charles Whitley is bidding for, and also his rival Harold Moran or Moran Harold Moran wants, and Harold Moran wants his everything. He wants his business. He wants his clock. He wants his girl. How dare he? Uh, Anyway, we go back to the Whitley mansion and Eliza, Charles's fiance, is there. And basically, Charles is a man who lives very much so in the future in his mind. He's an inventor. Um, He's very much so interested in in technology and, and moving forward. He owns a steel mill. Um, and like, he's very excited because he hears about the Wright brothers making a flying machine in North Carolina. Like, oh, that's how we're getting little drops that it's the night, early 1900s. (laughs) And Eliza's like, why can't you just live in the present with me? Like you're ignoring me for your future ideas. Um, also like, she wants okay. him to come to this party that her parents are throwing, and he's like, mm, "No!" And she's like, "Like, no, dude! Like, this is a deal. This is like what my family does at Christmas." And he's still like, "But I have so much work to do." And she's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're kind of being a dick. I don't know what to do." <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. Also, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but because we only see the chandelier reflected in the mirror 
of their like sitting room. And from what it looks like, it looks like that chandelier has electricity. Okay, I thought you were like just going off of the fact that they have electricity in general, but they wouldn't have an electric chandelier at that point, would they? No. Most like I was because like I was like electricity, like he's an inventor, he would need electricity, wouldn't he? Yes, but he wouldn't have it in his home. Like electricity in the home in the United States wasn't like a widespread thing until the 1920s. But even he's within well off though. But even within wealthy families, it okay. wouldn't have like he would not have had electricity in the home in 1903. Okay. Yeah. And but that's not the thing that pissed me off the most. It's Eliza's dress. The fuck is that? <laughs> Tell me about this dress. It it's like 20 years out of style sans a a, a bustle in the back that would have really made it like the 1880s dress that it could be the neckline the fuck is that it felt very victorian to me and like by Mm -hmm. 1903 wouldn't that be like more edwardian yep that is i mean like we are very early in edward so here's the thing 1903 would have only been two years into the Edwardian era because Queen Victoria died in 1901. However, at this point, fashion had started to evolve into what we think of as as Edwardian fashion. And like we can say, like maybe she does have a couple of outdated dresses because, you know, like the 1890s weren't that long ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But also like she's a high society lady. She's marrying yeah. rich. Like, this woman would be fashionable. Like, she would yeah. be she would be she wearing would, all the latest styles, and that is not the latest She would have the latest scarf from New York. Like, did yeah. she live in New York? Yeah. This is supposed to be set in New York. Yeah, no. No. So, I don't fucking believe that. But anyway, um, it's late at night, and Charles is in his office, and Rosie, his maid, comes in. Um, and they have a very, like, close relationship, which is kind of weird in that there's just an inherent pa- power imbalance between employer and maid. And yeah. the fact that I they're can, just. I don't know. But, like, if you're, like, hanging around each other all the time, like, I true. can see why you would eventually form some sort of fr- friendship that with is each true. other. That is true. And it's not all that unusual. You know what? Now that I think about it, it's not all that unusual. Because, like, if you think of, like, Downton Abbey, um, they uh, form close relationships with with their... With the help. Yes. Um, Rosie wants him to have all the things, including true love. And so he, she doesn't think he should be with Eliza because they're not actually in love. Um, and he's just like man true love like who has the time um uh you do (laughs) (laughs) and rosie's like true love is worth waiting for and he's just like yeah but like i am a man in my 20s i think and it's 1903 and i'm not married and i have to be married and like come on rosie get with the times rosie right but um he has the Christmas clock and they're both admiring it and engraved on the Christmas clock says, wind once at Christmas moon and true love will find you soon. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So you have to 
wind up the clock on a full moon during Christmas time. Um, and lo and behold, the night that Charles decides to wind it up, it's a Christmas moon. It's what? a moon. So, and a Christmas moon, like, it's just a moon in December. Nothing of what he's, like, the date, and they're going to talk about it later. But the date that they, like, decide upon is, like, mm-hmm. has no significance whatsoever to Christmas. It's like, what, it's December maybe, 18th? Well, no, would the 18th be a week before? Mm. Um. Yes, it would. Yeah, it's a, exactly okay, never mind. a week before. Okay. They can have this. Never mind. They can have this. They can have it. I suppose. I guess. <laughs> um, and then I put in the notes because I always have, you know, always have to have closed captioning on because I can't hear for shit. Um, and <laughs> when the clock is like ticking, it just says aggressive ticking <laughs> in parentheses. And that made me laugh really hard. Um, and also the aggressive ticking makes him pass out. Yeah. I don't know why I'm making noises. <laughs> but now it is present day in 2020 in a COVID-free 2020. Yeah. God, I'm jealous. I wish that were me. I want to live in this reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, come in on our leading lady, Megan, and she is dressed up in a maid costume from the 1900s, and she is pretending to be Rosie like she's playing Rosie for a tour of the Whitley mansion. And we find out that Charles disappeared in 1903 and no one's ever been able to figure out what happened to him or where he went. It's a mystery. He disappeared without a trace. Mm-hmm. And then right, right, <laughs> and then right after she says that we cut to Charles laying on the floor of his office in 2020. So there he is. We found him. <laughs> We found him. And he gets up and he exclaims, what the deuce? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not a modern man. He is from 1903. He is from 1903. The year of our Lord. <laughs> the year of the deuce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to <laughs> our listeners. I'm sorry to Abby. I'm sorry no. to myself for ha- I'm going to have to listen to this all over again. It was the shot. It was the shot. Blame it on the shot. <laughs> um, so I guess like it's not just a tour of the Whitley Mansion. You also kind of get like a show, like a reenactment in a way, because there is somebody who is uh, acting as what would have been Charles Whitley's butler and then also somebody acting as his fiance Eliza. Um, and apparently like the guests are like all fucking over this. Like this is very entertaining for them. Um, but they're like, Oh yeah. Charles, unfortunately Charles isn't here because we find out later that the actor who was playing Charles quit, but all of a sudden like our actual Charles walks down the stairs and is like, what the fuck? Is- what the deuce? What the fuck is going on? Um, <laughs> and they're all like, oh, he's, oh, they said, oh, there he is. There, there's Charles. Uh, and I, I don't remember why he said this, but I, I wrote it. Um... <laughs> I did not authorize this expenditure. I think it's yeah, like they had like a bunch of people in and they were probably like handing out gifts or something like that. Yeah, they were like, do- oh, no, no, no. It was electricity. 
Mm. It was because of the electricity. And he's like, I did not authorize this expenditure. And it's it's just like, why do people... Okay, when they write these movies, like these time traveling movies or like movies with characters that come from the 1900s, early 1900s, why do they think they all talk like that? I, uh, it, you know what? I wonder if it has to do with the literature. It probably does. Era. It probably and, does. And, like, things were still, like, very, like, regulated by the upper classes. No, yeah. And, like, I understand Everything's having... regulated by the upper classes. Right. My bad. <laughs> My bad. I, I, <laughs> I understand, like, having a bit of fancier language. Um, but, like, I don't know. It's just the way that these actors portray being from the 1900s. Like, it... it I don't know. Something about it rubs me the wrong way, and I think it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. No, I can. This it just feels very theatrical and very yeah. Shakespearean and very yeah, that's what it is. And it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily reflect the reality of the character. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's th- those are yes. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Thanks. Um. <laughs> they're all like convinced that he's just some method actor. Um. And no one is calling some sort of crisis line. I would have, but you know, that's just me. Um, oh, look, I wrote in the notes, electricity didn't come to most homes until the mid twenties. So I was probably pretty angry about that. Um, okay. <laughs> well, cause he was talking, about, he was talking about the, the lights and he's just like, it's not an Edison bulb and blah, 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 blah. And like, it's well, okay. You wish it was an Edison bulb. If it was an Edison bulb, it'd probably still be burning. we find out that megan is related to rosie uh rosie is her great great grandmother um yeah apparently that's important uh and charles is just like very relaxed yeah actually it is it is quite important because of the exposition that will happen later in the film that's true that's true. Yeah. Um, but like Charles is very chill about having time traveled. He's like straight up just like, oh yeah, okay, I've totally time traveled. Wow. I wonder I wonder if part of it's because of like his inventor's mind. So he's like, yeah, okay, yeah. somebody convented time travel. Like this seems legit. Okay, we'll just yeah. kind of roll with it. Well, like, I think mentioned- I would I feel like he should be a lot more freaked out by the advances of society yeah. than he actually is. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That was a very good point. Um, like the fact that like a woman is working. That's that's part of it. I'm like, you're like a super chill for a guy. I th- I guess woman suffrage was quite mm-hmm. big at the time. So maybe he would have been like, yeah, women's vote, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Charles, I'm, I'm Charles Whitman, feminist extraordinaire. <laughs> Charles Whitley uh, was there for women's suffrage. I was gonna. I was said Charles Whitley through the first brick and stone wall. <laughs> that is not what I was meaning to say. Charles Whitley was part of a hunger strike in jail for women's suffrage. Oh my god. <laughs> Charles believed in the vote. Oh my god. Um <laughs> I guess part of the reason too why he's so chill about having time traveled is he 
um, read H.G. Wells's uh, oh, yeah. Time Traveler. And apparently he's met H.G. Wells somehow. Sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, we find out that Megan has a PhD and it took me until like the end of the film to understand what Megan's job is. I, I guess this is a theme unless I just completely missed it that they made it clear that she is the director of the museum because they turned the Whitley mansion into a museum. I don't um, think they made it clear that she was their director, but there was a few times where she was like ordering everybody around. Right. That, and that was, so. it, it was very confusing to me what her job was. Cause initially I thought she was just an actor um, who just happened to really like the Whitley's. Cause like she, we find out that she wrote her dissertation about Charles Whitley um she's very into this man and it's kind of weird <laughs> kind of weird considering yeah. everything that's about to fire yeah mm-hmm. so her and amber who is her co-worker she is the actress that plays eliza um are chit-chatting and she's just like you know this new charles is very handsome um and she's like, oh, I didn't, you know, like, I didn't really notice. I didn't even notice. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you broke just... up with your ex like six months ago. You should start noticing again. It's like, oh, my God, damn, chill the fuck out. It's only been six months. Besides, just because he's a man and he breathes, she should be, like, attracted to him? Come on. Right, right. Give her a little credit. <laughs> but they, uh, they... At some point, a sheriff is called and Charles is taken to the police station. And he's, like, very calm about it. He's like, I don't want to waste time. Take me to the police station. Uh, he's very confused by cars, but, like, is basically just like, sure, whatever. I'll get in one. <laughs> he is very blasé about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's actually kind of cool that you get a guy who's, like, time traveled. And he's like, you know what? The only thing I can do right now is just roll with the punches. <laughs> Okay. This might as well happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Charles tells Megan, like, if you don't believe me, uh, there is a secret compartment in the floor of my office, and there is uh, a diary in there. Um, so if you find that, you'll know it's me. And she does. She ends up finding it. And the last date of entry is December 18th, 1903. And so now she believes that it's actually him. He's time traveled. So now she's got to let... She gets down to the police station and she's letting everybody know he's a method actor. And he can't be out of his role for any time. Like it's part of his contract or something like that. And they're like, uh, seems legit and lets him go <laughs> i know nothing about the arts whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right uh sure. and he's just like how did you know and she tells him like oh i did find your diary and also because i saw the scar on your hand and so i guess charles when he was younger had gotten a scar on his hand from the steel mill but he was very embarrassed about it and refused to let it be portrayed in any sort of portraits of him oh. um like the one that's in the foyer that he had just sat for the week prior in 1903 um and but she knows it's him because of the scar because she studied him her whole dissertation is on him she knows everything about him which is really kind of creepy 
<laughs> so she takes him to go get pizza. Uh, and apparently he loves it and then gets the check and he's like, I will pay for it. And then he's like, $23, this is a highway robbery. Which, you okay, know, to okay. him it was indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I think it's cute that, like, he's, like, obsessed with pizza because pizza did not become part of, like, the American cultural palette until about the 1950s. Now yeah. I know something about history that I can contribute. Wow! Emma yeah. knows the history of pizza. Yeah. I may, have, <laughs> I may have fallen down a YouTube rabbit hole one day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No, that's a, that's a fun fact. I yeah. love random history fun facts. Yeah. I still don't really know why pizza took off, but I do know that it was be- it kind of took off in the 50s. It's because it's delicious. I mean, yes. Pizza's so good. Obviously. But like 23 bucks, if we're talking like 2020 times, 23 bucks for what looked like like a 14 to 16 inch pizza. Oh yeah, no. 23 for two bucks people for, yeah, no, bad. that's that's, yeah, that's perfect amount of money sir you're you're gonna be okay you're yeah it's all good um we find out a little bit more about megan she's going to be a teacher at the local university but she doesn't really seem like she wants to be but she explains that like pretty much everybody in her family like at least on her dad's side has been a teacher um and so it's kind of just what is expected of her And that's what she's expected to use her PhD for is to become a professor at the university. Uh, I don't remember how they got onto the topic of solar panels. Um, Oh, I think it's because the mansion is solar powered, right? Oh, fun. Yeah. That's what keeps the electricity. I think because he like, he asked about like how expensive it must be to keep the electricity on at the mansion all the time. And she's just like, Oh, I mean like, it's not bad. Also like we have solar power and Charles says, someone finally figured out how to harness the power of the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. See, this is the sort of time travel shit that like super amusing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He asks about Eliza and Megan's like, oh, no, like, I studied you, but I know nothing about her. Which is like, okay, sounds fake. Um, That's suspicious. That's suspicious. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Megan sus. (laughs) (laughs) She she faked an electrical. (laughs) Um, So Megan Vent. (laughs) So Megan Vent. Uh, but they're walking around town at night and Charles sees where the Whitley steel building should have been, but now it's gone and it's a Christmas tree market. And he's like, what happened? What happened to my steel building? And she's like, well, after you disappeared, like basically they had to shut it down. It went under and all of your assets were liquidized. And he's like, I now now have nothing but my name. I'm into capitalism. And he's just like, now I have to go back to 1903 so I can save my business in the name of capitalism. What? I'm dying at the no Marty, we have to go back. (laughs) Back to the future. (laughs) Uh, 
so they go back to the Whaley Mansion, uh, and Charles is going to stay there because uh, apparently they have guest rooms. Like people can actually stay at the Whitley Mansion, which that's kind of fun. Um, I like that idea. Yeah, I love the idea of staying at historical places. Mm-hmm. I uh, there you, you can uh, you can stay at the castle that Anne Boleyn grew up in. Oh, really? In England and. I told Chris, I'm like, so this is what we're going to do for our honeymoon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, we've already established that we're going to places in Europe for our honeymoon. It's going to just basically be a history trip the entire time. And I'm just going to be dragging Chris around the entire time. I love Um, it. Yeah. But he, Charles is hilarious. He thinks the TV is a mirror, which makes sense. It's just, it's funny. It's good comedic tie. It's good old, like, ha ha ha, you dumbass. You don't know that's a TV. Also, I put in the notes, what a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan's like, oh, you know, like, make sure you get your toothbrush and your toothpaste. And he's like, oh, no, no, I found my toiletry set in the display case. <laughs> and Megan's like, you probably don't be want okay. to use that. <laughs> and I will give them kudos for historically accurate toothpaste. Oh, that's good. It did yeah. look legit to me. So it did, it did, and it was tubed toothpaste. Tubed toothpaste became like a big thing in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. So yes, he can have tubed cool. toothpaste. Cool, cool. Uh, he tells her to call him Charles because she keeps calling him Mister Whitley, and so that's how we know that they. No, we should call him Mister Whitley. I, I, the name Charles is making me cringe right now. <laughs> <laughs> is it because of the crown? Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. We are raising a new generation of Charles haters. It's fine. It's fine. He might not get to be king because Gen Z watched The Crown. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) How funny would that be? How funny would that be? TikTok takes down the Prince of Wales. (laughs) Oh, my God. It would be a scandal worthy of a whole season of The Crown. (laughs) (laughs) They're gonna have to extend the crown even more. Oh my yep. god! Oh my god! Anyway, uh, they're having a party at the Whitley Mansion on Christmas Eve. This happens every year. It's a very big deal. It's very important. And Kenny, who is like in charge of, he's not the museum director, but he's in charge of a lot of the museum stuff, uh, namely like the actors and stuff like that, uh, and planning for things and the the christmas eve party is very important and they're going to have two champagne pyramids super fancy that's how you know it's fancy not just a champagne pyramid but two of them two (laughs) two champagne champagne pyramids Mm, uh mm, mm. and so megan basically convinces charles to just like be charles in their tour shows uh so introducing charles as himself but he really sucks at acting like (laughs) like he's really terrible um and they're doing like a q a with the tour the 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 guests and charles and he's like very uncomfortable doesn't know how to answer things but uh somebody asks about harold moran his enemy and he's like harold moran is a cheat and a thief and like 
he totes married Eliza. Like, obviously. That's obvious. Of course. He married Eliza. He was eyeing Eliza. Why would you mm-hmm. say that if that wasn't the plot? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's awkward. But then, and then, like, the people are like, mm, okay. But then Charles realizes, oh, shit, this is really awkward. And so he starts some witty banter with Megan. And it's actually very cute. Um, and, like, the people really are... Good they do they do um but like the again the guests are like weirdly into all of this like i don't feel like in a tiny town with a museum and a show like people would be that into it i don't feel like i don't know like if you were if you were into like the charles whitley mystery if you were into like that that unsolved mystery shit and you were like doing like um (laughs) an east coast road trip or something like that like yeah i could see this <laughs> sorry i'm just thinking of this is an episode of buzzfeed unsolved <laughs> on december 18th you didn't connect shit i connected them on the night of december 18th 1903 charles whitley went missing Theory number one. <laughs> he you was taken away. To the future. Yeah. <laughs> you get to like theory number five. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Abducted Charles Whitley. And used him for their own game. <laughs> <sighs> but what happened to Charles Whitley on that fateful night will remain unsolved. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> Charles is very nice to the other actors um, I don't remember what happens next but he walks in on Megan making uh, invites for their Christmas party and she's using like a Windows 95 version of Office to make the invitations like it looks like <laughs> shit um, and Charles is very interested in the computer but of course he is um, yeah. but he thinks your email blasts are shit because uh they used to hand make all the invitations and people used to savor them for the <laughs> whitley the whitley christmas not with party. windows 95 graphics buddy i'm not gonna tell you really <laughs> it's not gonna happen make your peace with it <laughs> but uh kenny comes down and lets them know like they're getting like really good reviews on yelp because of the two of them and their chemistry and their banter that they have on the tour. Uh, and this is like, this Charles is everybody's favorite Charles Whitley, which is funny because it's actually Charles. <laughs> Megan and Charles go shopping and they get him a new wardrobe. And he's, he's uncomfortable with the pants. He's very uncomfortable with the pants. The dungarees. He calls them dungarees. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. Like, no, because the men's fashion revolution would have already happened. Like, it's not that different. From, like, it's honestly yeah. not that different from what he'd be wearing. It's just, right. I don't know, more synthetic, I guess? I don't know. But like, <laughs> pra- 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 from a practical point of view, like, no, you should be okay with, like, modern men's fashion, buddy. I yeah. That part didn't make much sense to me. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, him and Megan are talking and like they're talking about him and uh, Eliza's relationship and somehow the historian doesn't understand that people didn't always marry for love. Uh, what? 
I know. Like, they were expected to be married because they were both high society people. And that's what happens in the 19- early 1900s when you're high society people. You marry each other. Um, Charles has man pain. I don't remember what it was. Do you remember Charles's man pain? Uh... Oh, his his parents died when he was really young. Oh, yeah. He's like a self-made man. His parents died when he was 14 and he worked his way up. He pulled himself up by the bootstraps and created the Whitley Steel Mill. And that's how he got all of his money. Oh, they're, they go into another shop and like Megan tells him about like, mm, I'm scared to be in a relationship again because the other guy left me and like, I don't know if I'll get true love and and Charles says something along the lines of like time will tell when true love shows up. Uh and Megan's Isn't admiring that what Rosie said to him before yes. stealing Rosie's line. <laughs> uh but Megan's admiring the snowflake necklace and that'll totally be important later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not. Uh <laughs> So they leave the shop and it is time to light up the Christmas tree downtown. And uh, then everybody starts singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And Megan's encouraging him to sing along. And he's just, she's like, everybody knows the lyrics. And he's like, not in 1903, we don't. And it's like, mm, debatable. <laughs> So then I had to go down the rabbit hole of the history <laughs> of We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Uh, and apparently this was a song from the 1500s, 1600s, uh, but it was banned. Basically, most Christmas songs were banned when Oliver Cromwell was the... Fucking um, Oliver Cromwell. Yeah, Fuck it's you. always him. It's always him. Um, but then it got popular <laughs> again in the Victorian era when Christmas carols got really popular again. Um like the the version of we wish you a merry christmas that like we know and love wasn't really recorded until like the 1930s however because of the popularity of the song as a christmas character christmas carol apparently i can't talk christmas carol in the victorian era like wouldn't he have been popular as sheet music though yeah yeah he would have fucking known the words this dumbass yeah 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 but there's also mistletoe and town square but there's no kisses for you no kiss no kiss no kiss um it's another day megan is explaining the internet to charles Uh, i don't know how i would begin to explain the internet and be like (laughs) so you know uh telegrams Uh, like that i don't like that but like faster and a lot (laughs) you know Faster and more intense. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that well, she also said, like, you have access to, like, all the world's information. I'm like, yeah, we do. Yeah. We live in a marvelous time. <laughs> but then she does say, like, but we use it to troll other people and send cat pictures. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We live in a marvelous time. <laughs> do we? <laughs> do we? <laughs> cat pictures are great yes there's trolling but cat pictures (laughs) that's true that's true um but while they're out on the town they randomly meet up with uh megan's parents so charles meets her parents and it's a little awkward and a little weird but uh we find out that there's gonna be another christmas moon and it's gonna happen on christmas eve 
And what? that's them being like, oh, shit, we got to find the Christmas clock. Mm-hmm. And that's this. This is the key to how to get back to 1903 is that the Christmas clock and the Christmas moon. But Charles is a man of science, not magic. Well, that. no, because he's like, nope, that's clearly it. There is this fucking clock and there's a scientific reason. Nobody knows, but we're, yeah. that's what it is. You know, I'm a man of science, not magic. Uh, so they go to, they go back to the Whitley mansion. They can't find the clock anywhere. So they go to talk to Kenny about it because Kenny used to, um, basically like log all of the stuff that is in the museum. So he should know where things are. And like, he's looking through all of the clocks in his database and he's like, no, I don't have any Christmas clock here. And she's like, maybe, maybe you overlooked it. And he like turns around and looks at her like, I do not overlook Megan. And it's like, oh shit, okay, fuck. God damn. <laughs> okay, Kenny. Uh, Sorry, Kenny. I'll send you some Christmas cookies, Kenny. Okay, happy Christmas. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, so Charles has to figure out how to get back to 1903 because of capitalism, right? Yeah. Um, and so he initially was going to help with tours but then all of a sudden has decided he's not going to because he's devoting his time to reading time travel books. Uh, but, and Megan like gets really upset with him for this. And she's just like, what if I want you to stay? You are a person who makes yourself belong anywhere. And it's just like, yeah, but Megan, I feel like that's a little bit different when, you know, he literally time traveled over a hundred years in the into the future. Like, it's a little bit different it, than like making yourself belong in any room. It's also like like you've given him a crash course on the world, but I also feel like you're not prepared for the inevitable mental breakdown that will happen as he right. has to try and make himself fit in. Right? <laughs> like can you imagine? Nothing, nothing he knows exists anymore. No. Nothing. It is imagine? all gone. Can you imagine trying to explain the current political climate to somebody from 1903? Nope. I don't think you'd be prepared. I don't think you'd. I'm not telling you. Because. Not not telling you. (laughs) In order to get to who the president is in 2020, you have to start with television. Well, now we got to explain TV to him. Then we have to explain reality television. Then we have to explain, like, ah! But then, like, you also have to go into Reagan economics. Yeah, right. Basically have to go through the entire political history to realize why we are stuck in our current home. God. And no one calls a crisis line. <laughs> Somebody call crisis for this man. It's he is fine. Not it's chill. It's fine. God. Um, I don't know why I wrote Megan. This is time travel, but you know what, Megan, this is time travel. Um, <laughs> but we find out that Megan made him an actual invite for the Christmas party, and this is what warms Charles's heart, and he does the tour. Um. We then get Megan in the kitchen taste testing some of the the food that will be there for Christmas Eve. And this is when I was just like, okay, but what is Megan's job within the museum? Because now she's in charge of the menu too. And then that's, I went back and was like, oh, she's the museum director. (laughs) Um, 
and she's talking to him about the Christmas party and he's just like, I don't know any of these things. And she's like, you should, this happened every year. It is your Christmas party. But we find out that Charles has never been to his own Christmas party and doesn't even know any of his own traditions. Uh, Charles. Tragic. He's such a nincompoop. Nink. <laughs> um, but obviously they're growing closer and closer together. And, uh, Megan invites him over for like a Christmas party at her family with her family rather. Uh, and he, he brings a bottle of wine from 1899. I mean, and, there's uh, vintage and then oh, yeah. there's, uh, I don't know if that's still edible. Charles. <laughs> Would I want to put that in my body? <laughs> I, I feel like at this point we need to consider botulism. <laughs> Uh, but I guess Megan's family has this like cute little tradition where um, like you have to put the tree topper on the big old evergreen outside and whoever is able to get it onto the tree first, like they get to decide where this like bucket of money that everybody's pitched in, um, like which charity it gets to go to. And I thought that was kind of like, that's, that's cute. That's a cute That's tradition. That's a cute little town tradition to have. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and guess who gets it, the tree topper on the tree but Charles. And he's so excited. He goes and he picks Megan up in a hug. And they're like, oh, oh Mr. Whitley, how very forward of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we're back in the house and Megan is reading Twas the Night Before Christmas to all of the, all of the chillins. And Charles and Megan's dad have a little bit of a heart to heart about Charles's dead parents because his parents used to read this to him. Um, And this is when like Charles is like realizing, oh my God, I'm in love with her. Like he's got big old hard eyes while she's reading to these kids. Um, And then they're having a, a family photo montage, I guess. Like they're just clicking through a slideshow of, Oh, remember this? Um, but then they randomly have a picture. Well, not randomly because they, uh, Megan is related to Rosie, but they have a picture of Rosie at Harold's wedding. And this is when Charles learns that Eliza married Harold Moran. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my God. What? A, he is shook. He, he is, is shook. He is beside himself. He's like, what the fuck? Harold is an asshole. Why would she marry him? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then you I have some Harold. more. Then you have some more uh, thoughts about uh, <laughs> dressing. <laughs> yeah. I also was a little confused as, like, as to why Rosie became like close enough friends with Eliza to be part of her wedding party. But, you know, like, whatever. Uh, but that's not the biggest issue I have. What the fuck is Rosie wearing? <laughs> it is a black strapless dress. Well, it has straps. <laughs> sleeveless dress with like a like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a bowl cut neckline. Like uh, uh, why aren't there sleeves? It is not Edwardian. It did not look Edwardian. I was kind of like i don't know what's going on but i don't where are the sleeves look right no 
What, what the fuck is the wedding dress that Eliza is wearing with that Kate Middleton ass looking neckline? What the fuck is that? I hate it. it. Look at Titanic, man. That's all you yes. had to do, and you couldn't even fucking do that. Couldn't even or Downton Abbey. Come on. And like, okay, listen. Edwardian wedding dresses are really beautiful and like really easy to imitate with modern fashion if you didn't have the budget. Basically, my only requirement out of a Hallmark movie Edwardian wedding dress is that it at least have the correct... This is the thing that drives me nuts about all of these is the necklines. What the fuck is that? That was not Nobody a fashionable did their neckline. No one did their research. That wasn't even a fashionable neckline like in the late 1800s. I don't know where that no. neckline fucking came from. She would be wearing a high neckline. Like it would be up to her neck or it would be like a turtleneck, not turtleneck, but you know, like that kind of situation to where it would cover her neck. That would be an Edwardian style wedding dress. But no. She gotta have like the Kate Middleton sweetheart ass looking neckline. I'm so mad. I hate it. I hate it. Anyway, Megan and Charles get into a little argument because she really probably should have told him when he asked yep. about it. Um, yep. And Megan does explain though, like she that Eliza and Harold were actually very very happy together and Eliza looked for Charles for years and like spent a lot of her own money or like her family's money trying to find him um and after years of searching like she ended up she had to move on and her and Harold were married for like 60 plus years and had a couple of children and had a bunch of grandchildren and like they were very very happy and like I don't the thing that grinds my gears the most about this is it it isn't like it isn't like in a a, a spirit for the spirit of Christmas or Christmas spirit yeah. or whatever the fuck the other one was where like he was in love with the other girl. Like he no. was in love with that girl and like that was why he was so heartbroken and betrayed that like she ended up marrying somebody else. In this situation like he doesn't love Eliza and like never did. And he made that abundantly clear. So the reason he is so upset is because Harold stole his thing. Yep. So no, Charles cannot be feminist of the year. <laughs> no, Charles did not fit in on the hunger strike. Against women's suffrage. so charles decides he needs to go on a walk to clear his head and he is walking through the town and runs into the guy who is putting up a christmas tree and he's helping him out and um the guy mentioned something about either charles or the guy mentioned something about uh moran steel and the guy mentions that he worked at moran steel and um that harold was actually a really decent guy like he yeah. contributed a lot to the town. Um, like there's a lot in the town that's named after him. And like he and Eliza donated a lot of money to like the park that's in the town and stuff like that. Um, 
And so Charles realizes he's been wrong about Harold this whole time because he has his head up his ass and is like determined to have this rival that didn't actually fully exist. exist. Or like maybe Moran just kind of like grew the fuck up. Mm. And like that's That's why Eliza eventually went for him. Like That's true. He did some soul searching and he changed for the better and he became a good guy. Yeah. No, I like that idea better. Like I like, I like the that idea, idea that his too. his rivalry was based on like the fact that he was actually like kind of a weird fuck. <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> grew up because he realized yeah. being the mean fuck wasn't really getting him anywhere. Yeah. Well, it probably also helped that his main competitor like just disappeared. Yeah. So he decided. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, hey, my competitor disappeared. I guess I don't have to be an asshole anymore. So, capitalism, baby. <laughs> yep, it's working all for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Charles continues his block. He goes into the diner, and Dan, uh, who is one of the actors at the museum, he is married to Amber. Uh, Dan is there and has eaten an entire pizza by himself. Honestly, good for you, Dan. Um, And he and Dan have a heart to heart. And Dan's just like, you know, we didn't, this isn't where Amber and I wanted to be. Like we're actors and like she studied at Juilliard and we're acting at a museum and this kind of sucks. And I think it's Charles. Yeah, Charles, who says something along the lines of, like, where we end up is out of our hands, but who we end up with is another matter. So, like, basically, like, wherever life takes you, life is going to take you. But so long as you have Amber, your wife, at your side, like, that's all that matters. Um, And Dan's like, wow, yeah, you're right. And it's cute. Um, But now it is time for Megan's interview at Moran University. Oh, my God. And... Uh, while she's waiting for the person whoever who is ever going to do the interview with her, uh, she's looking at all the artifacts that they have at the university. And oh my god, the clock is there! What a shocker! No one saw that coming. Well, I mean, I didn't expect it to show up in the university. I'm not gonna, but like when, also when they I'm not a surprise that showed its face again. <laughs> when we find out that the university is called Moran University, I was like, oh my god, this is where the clock is going to be. Um, because it turns out Eliza had donated it to the university Um, but Megan somehow gets the university to let her have the clock it's just like this university has claim over like this kind of priceless clock and this random woman who's like not even gonna (laughs) take them is like can I have this clock and they're like yeah sure (laughs) and they're like yeah that's that's a fair trade that's not really not with like institutions of learning and it would take months if not years but she presents charles with the clock for having withheld the truth and he apologizes for his response to it um and megan is still trying to convince him to stay to not go back to him and like she knows him which again is creepy because like you don't about him but you don't you don't even know him biblically. You only know him <laughs> academically. <laughs> so shortly after that, it is the night of the Christmas Eve party. Um, everybody's there. Everybody looks fabulous. Some of the people are in costume, but mostly it's the uh, crew that works for the mansion. 
But honestly, I think we need to take a second to really discuss Megan's dress. Because it's real good. Megan's dress is very nice. <laughs> and the Eliza dress isn't awful either. No, it's not terrible. It definitely looks more like it's from the late 1800s, but I guess it'll suffice. I'll let it go. Um, I wrote in here that Amber and Dan are cute, but I don't believe for a moment that they're actually married. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like at least one of them is gay. Like, one of them is the beard. And it's definitely Dan. Yeah. They just, <laughs> I don't believe that they're actually Although in love. I, I don't believe know, they're married. Like, actors tend to be a little bit more eccentric and can come That's off true. as more gay, and they're not. But uh, Megan is searching for Charles, right? Yeah. She's like, where yeah. the hell is Charles? Um, if she knows that because if he's gone, then he's doing something with that clock. <laughs> And she doesn't want him to do it with the clock because the clock feeds she's gonna leave he's gonna leave and she's not gonna get that Christmas dick. Oh <laughs> Christmas so dick is important. Christmas the <laughs> the gift of a Christmas fuck. Oh, oh my god. All the stockings like were that I wish hung. we could get <laughs> the stockings are hung and so is Charles. <laughs> it's times like this where I really wish we could do creative titles for this show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the gift of a Christmas dick. Christmas dick. Oh. <laughs> God. Anyway, Megan runs into her parents. They ask her how her interview went, and she tells them, I didn't end up taking the university job. I love my job at the museum. I want to stay the director of the museum. And they were like, cool. And she's we like, just wanted you to- We <laughs> just wanted you to be happy, even though we gave you no indication that this was an acceptable, <laughs> acceptable right. career path. Right. You should have it's known. Either- we just wanted you to be happy. <laughs> it's either that, though, or like, Megan's put this entire perception on herself that if she doesn't become a teacher, her parents are going to hate her, despite having given no indication that they're yeah. like, you have to be a teacher, otherwise your life is meaningless. Yeah. And they were so. just, like, leaning into the whole teacher thing, because, like, that's just what we do, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Following also, in you the have a PhD in history. Like, how much can you really do with a PhD in history? So. There you go. Yeah. Um... But Megan goes up to the office. She thinks that Charles has left, but he's still there. Charles has decided to say because he has indeed found the love of his life. <laughs> and it is Megan. <laughs> and he's he's doing what Rosie told him to do and find his true love. And he's found it in her great great granddaughter. Not exactly what Rosie was going for, but okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> Your great-great-great-granddaughter is doing fine. <laughs> yep. And she's doing um, something fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so to solidify and make it very clear that he... What? Why? Why are you he laughing? He said solidify, and I'm like, oh, that's the way. I'm delusional at this point. Keep going. Oh my god. I was going to say solidify his love and decision that he's going to stay there. He breaks the clock. <laughs> you are a child. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he straight up breaks the clock. So that way she knows he's not going anywhere. And he has a gift for her. And what do you know? It's the snowflake necklace that she'd been admiring earlier. Aww. See, he pays attention, girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Charles basically gets his head out of his ass and, and is talking to Megan and is like, yeah, Eliza wouldn't have found love with me. And it sounds like she found love with Harold and that's what she deserved. And I also deserve to find the love. And I found it with you. And then they kiss. They kiss. It's a Christmas kiss. It's a Christmas kiss. Um, Charles uh, has a little speech that he does at the uh, uh, event as supposed to be the actor Charles, um, mm-hmm. but it's actually Charles. Uh, and basically, like he's just like, I like things now. I've never been to one of these Christmas parties before, and now I'm here, and I'm very thankful that I'm here, and. Uh, I'm going to get some Christmas puss later. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! The entire crowd just lifts up their glasses and goes, hey! (laughs) The entire crowd lifts up their glasses and goes, nice. (laughs) Nice! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. And that's Um, what happens when you have two champagne towers. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, we find out that Amber and Dan have gotten a call from a, uh, touring company that does Shakespeare and they're going to be in Taming of the Shrew together. They so just, things are, things are looking up. When did they audition for this? Because knows? you still need to audition. And maybe if they were nervous about hearing callbacks, that would have made this a little bit more believable for me. But no, you're just randomly in Taming of the Shrew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. um but now what's charles gonna do for a living uh and it's not just his future anymore it's his and megan's so he better find a fucking job because nobody can live on a single income no especially not the when one of the people is the director of a small you small town museum right right but it also calls into question of like are they going to live at the mansion? Like, can they live at the mansion? Like, he obviously is Charles Whitley. Like, does he have legal rights to the mansion? Oh, this is a lot of January questions. We have to focus <laughs> on the Christmas, okay? What are we going to do in January? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, they have another geese. It is very nice. It's a nice little geese. And then... We go back to the Christmas clock and it strikes midnight, even though Charles broke it because magic. And that's the end of our story. Emma. Yeah. What was the worst? The worst. Uh, (laughs) Um, again, there was nothing that like seemed horribly offensive to me. I guess like him, like being up in arms that like, you know, Morin would be like after his girl, even though he doesn't even give a shit about her, and so he's more offended that something of his was taken by Morin. That's not cool. Hmm. You don't, you don't get to be a suffragette with that attitude, <laughs> stupid man. You don't get to throw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 
You oh. are entirely too heterosexual for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, how about you? Oh, I think we could all take a wild guess. Uh, I mean, aside from like Charles is is gross and sees Eliza as as something to own. Um, the costumes is just so bad. Like <laughs> the thing, the thing that makes it worse is that they're able to kind of get it in Megan's yeah. dress at the end. So it's not like they didn't know. They just didn't care. No, and, and I hate it. Fucking annoying. I hate it. <laughs> All the stupid historic, like it's. I don't go into a time travel Christmas movie being like, yes, everything has to be perfectly historically accurate. Like, no, but it's the little things. It's the little teeny tiny things that all it takes is like five minutes of looking on Google Mm -hmm. of Charles definitely would have known the lyrics to We Wish You a Merry Christmas because people knew the lyrics to We Wish You a Merry Christmas in 1903 like yeah. uh, it's just the little things like come on y'all <laughs> i agree yeah what was the best part um actually i really liked the part where she like sat him down and was like yeah she married him and they had a fucking mm-hmm. great life mm-hmm. and she was able to move on like honestly like the fact that they were able to just like I mean, like, because there was also the fact that, like, if he was to go back, then he would have to, like, kind of be with Eliza. And they basically started right. off to be like, no, not only was your quote-unquote rival, like, not a complete douchebag, but also, like, the p- woman you're supposed to marry, you don't love her, and she's going to have a better life if you don't go back. Right. So, yeah. Let's, like, and, like, he makes it, he almost, like, make, makes the decision because he recognizes her happiness and he doesn't want to disrupt that. Never mind that the uh, Jeremy Barami would be completely thrown <laughs> off by him going back. <laughs> oh, we're but, in the yeah. over the eye. We truly yeah. are. Yeah, they are. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually really like that part. I thought that was like, yeah, wasn't something that I would have expected. I think the I feel like if they had done something, then like maybe they would have tried to make her kind of sad. But then it was like, nah. Eliza got herself like she lived yeah. a pretty fucking great life. You know yeah. what? Don't worry about her. She's fine. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that too. I agree. Yeah, that is that is a very nice, especially since like you know the whole concept of of why Charles is initially so upset that Eliza married Harold is literally just because that's his rival, and of course he gets his girl too. But mm-hmm. like. like Megan being like get your fucking head out of your ass like she lived a very long and fulfilling life and she did care about you like she spent a lot of time and resources Mm -hmm. on trying to find you but eventually she had to move on and when she did she found love and happiness and her and Harold were very important to this town and they did a lot of good for this town and Charles all it takes is a conversation with a guy putting up a Christmas tree and Dan (laughs) to be like oh yeah okay like i get it yeah um so yeah i like that i also you know what since my worst was the costumes i will also give my best to one costume and that was megan's dress at the end because it is gorgeous i want that dress (laughs) (laughs) it is beautiful and it's like the perfect the perfect blend of like you know 
a little bit modern, but also still Edwardian. And I really yeah. like it. I really like it. So what is your unbelievable suspension of disbelief? You're not going to think about how he's going to survive right. the 21st century. <laughs> These are January questions, Emma. <laughs> but also, like, you're not going to consider the ramifications of a man traveling over, hundred, like, 117 years into the future? Because, <laughs> boy, howdy! <laughs> that And, like, the ramifications, if he had gone back, nobody really considered that. They was just... Mm. We knew he couldn't go back because the timeline was very set on the fact that he just d- well, didn't exist after that night in 1903. But, like, also, right. yeah, he needed, yeah, there's so much going on right now that would not have existed in 1903. I don't think his head could have taken, he was almost too blasé. Like, there's, like, yeah. there's rolling with the plunges and then there's just being completely <laughs> blasé. And the man right. is just completely blasé something. Right. Like, like we were talking about earlier, like he seems very chill with all of the technological advances. That Mm -hmm. makes sense, considering he was an inventor, he was a man of science. So like, I'm sure in his mind, he can make a good couple of logical jumps as to how the entire house, the entire town has electricity. It's... God, and we're putting way too much in a Hallmark movie, in a Hallmark Christmas movie. But it's like, dear God, you have 117 years of history to explain to this man. Like, this man doesn't even know about the First World War. No. (laughs) There is still a Kaiser of Germany in 1903. He doesn't know about atomic bombs. No. Now imagine somebody having to explain all that to him. Ah! <laughs> no good. And it's not no like good. it's not like Christmas spirit where like the guy was would like come back for a week every Christmas and so like he had the chance to catch up on a year's worth of history for a week and like so by the time he gets to like 2018 he's just like ah yes I know about trickle down economics and why it failed but like <laughs> <laughs> this guy <laughs> doesn't even know about modern warfare. No. <sighs> Ah. <laughs> man imagine if he saw like video games like what oh my god fucking explode oh my god oh my god i'm like trying to think of like, like has he even, has he he... even seen a moving a moving picture like no has he like I, mm, it's a possibility probably not. But, like also no probably not like <laughs> good lord the we're Democrats are still Republicans to him. The 20th, we're going to skip a century. The 20th century might possibly be one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that happens. Yeah. I don't think you're ready. <laughs> like, like, he doesn't yeah. even know about, fe- like, he doesn't even know about, like, female sexual liberation. Like, yeah. Like, does he know that Eliza is, like, definitely not a virgin? Because... <laughs> You mean hey, Megan? Come on. <laughs> Megan, yeah. Well, probably Eliza too. Let's be real. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eliza's upper class, she pro- and marrying for lack of love. So yeah, there's a right. good chance there. But like, do you know that like most women are not virgins when they get married anymore? Right. Do you know this? <laughs> oh. So it's how to exist as a man from 1903 in 2020? <laughs> that's that's a lot. 
That is mm-hmm. a lot. And I don't think they fully thought this through. And then now imagine throwing COVID-19 in there. <laughs> oh, my God. He hasn't even, he hasn't even survived the fucking Spanish flu. No, he doesn't get there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. There are whole ass states that aren't even states in 1903. Oh, my God. I even consider. Oh my God. Charles has to learn about Hawaii. <laughs> ah! Oh we're putting God. Too much stock in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yes, but also if you're gonna play with time, you kind of have to consider these things. I'm That's sorry. True. That's true. <laughs> Let us know, like, what big historical events you want to see be explained to charles i'm interested (laughs) (laughs) oh my lanta that is wow yeah so much so much to unpack who was the president in 1903 it wouldn't have been roosevelt would it Mm. Um... i feel like it's not it It, it wasn't roosevelt it was yeah it was it was it was teddy roosevelt Oh, okay. Um, he was president from 1901 to 1909. Oh, okay. So things were very different. Yeah. Oh my god, like, the vice president-elect is a black and Indian woman. Oh god! Like, Could you are imagine? you ready for this, buddy? <laughs> oh my god. He has an oh. entire civil rights movement to go through. Like, there's just so much he is not prepared for. Ah! Good lord. <laughs> anyway. Are we gonna raise a glass and rosé cheer or drown our sorrows in Christmas beer for this one? Oh, we'll have a glass of rosé. Yeah. Why yeah. not? It was fun. It was I don't fun. regret was... my time. No, actually, I would say... No, they were both just fine for what they were. Yeah. I, I preferred this one co- compared to the time traveling uh, movie from last year. That was the main thing I was taking away from this is like, I'm actually finding this a lot more enjoyable. It didn't yeah. seem so. I well, mean, there's definitely creepy elements to it, but like. <laughs> but they. Okay, so we watched two time travel Christmas movies last year um, that I totally forgot that we watched two because we had Christmas Spirit, which is sort of time travel y, sort of supernatural. And then we had. Mm-hmm. Um, a night for Christmas or the night. Oh, okay. No, so night. a night for a Christmas night or something like that was fine. Um, mm-hmm. The spirit of Christmas was garbage. <laughs> so, no, I, I think liked, I think what I like yeah, about a lot better. the yeah, I think I, what I like about this one and like a night for Christmas or whatever the fuck that one was is like they get to play around with you bringing somebody from the past and giving them future technology. Like, yeah. Remember when the dude like set shit on fire because of Alexa? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's funny to me. Like that that hits my buttons. Yeah, <laughs> I love a time travel. I love a Christmas. I love a Christmas time travel. So I'll have a nice little glass of rosé. Yeah. So, but yeah, those were our two movies for this week. Um, they were they, they were movies. They were all right. (laughs) Yeah, they were exactly what we wanted this podcast to be. So I'm glad we had like a solid week. 
Yes. Because I feel I like know. we're just having a lot more. I feel like we're just having a lot more fun with the selection oh, yeah. here. So oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it is also hilarious to go from jingle jangle to these two. <laughs> <laughs> Especially considering how fucking good Jingle Jangle was. Yeah. Uh, this is not the best follow-up to Jingle Jangle. <laughs> no. So, uh, we have a bit of a schedule change for next week. We talked about having to switch scheduling stuff around briefly in our last episode because um, Emma found more gay Christmas movies. Or another <laughs> gay Christmas movie that we'd rather watch than some of the other ones that we've had in there. Um, yeah. But... So for this week, uh, for our Thanksgiving special, um, we will be watching Les Bomb, which is yep. a Thanksgiving movie. Thanksgiving giving e movie, um, if I'm thinking correctly, right? No, yeah, no, it's about yeah, it is coming home for Thanksgiving. Okay, um, yeah. and you can watch that on Amazon Prime. Uh, and then it might we are be also on Netflix too, depending. Oh, is it? Yeah. I feel like I watched it on. But it's definitely on Amazon Prime. For sure. There you go. For Americans. And if you are a friend of mine and you need to watch it, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we are also watching Happiest Season. Uh, and I'm very stoked for that. And that's on Hulu, correct? Yes. Yeah. And it's our big holiday release for 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically we decided to move it because Les Bomb and the holiday season have very similar thematic elements that we mm-hmm. kind of wanted to compare and contrast. Yeah. It's no auction, but it'll no. have to do. <laughs> um, and then the week after that uh, is another schedule change where we're still going to watch The Christmas House. Um, but then we are putting in, we're swapping out uh, a uh, MLM gay movie for a WLW gay movie. Um, yeah. And we'll be watching a New York Christmas wedding, which is on Netflix. Um, yes. And then pretty much everything else is the same, except for Dolly Parton week is going to have its own week. Because yeah. so. Dolly Parton. Because Dolly Parton. The because musicals Dolly get Parton. their own week. <laughs> and Dolly Parton helped find one of the vaccines for COVID-19. Yeah. So she, can get, she can have her own fucking week. She Dolly Parton it, okay? can have whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> <laughs> Dolly Parton may have saved us all. It's fine. Okay. Dolly Parton will work nine to five. She can have her own week. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Emma. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at emphasis. That's E-M-F-Y-S underscore N-E-S-T. I'm also on a Star Wars podcast called Zafik Skywalkers. We do have a episode planned that should be out by the end of the month. So, hopefully, you'll hear something from us there. So, yeah. I'm excited. How about you, Abby? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Abby M. Cecilia, and then you can also listen to me scream about Star Wars and put my fist through things in my Star Wars podcast, Lousy Beautiful Town. Um, like we talked about at the top of the episode, uh, Jess and I recorded with Emma our live watch of the Lego Star Wars holiday special, and it was a fucking delight. Uh, yes. And my goal is I even to got to put out. my fist through something at the yeah. top of the episode. It was great. I it had such a great. good time. I am yeah. so glad. We had a blast. 
Um, my goal is to have that out by Thanksgiving, so be on the lookout for that. Um, we upload this pod to both the Sapphic Skywalkers feed and the Loud's Beautiful Town feed, which means that you can listen to this podcast pretty much wherever. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Rose Till Xmas Day. You can also send us an email at Rose Till Xmas Day at gmail.com. Um, it's kind of hard to leave a review for a pod that gets uploaded onto two other pods' feeds. So if you want to tell us how you feel about the show, feel free to send us an email or DM us on Twitter or at us on Twitter. We'd love to. We'd love to hear from y'all um, because we live for applause. And we'll read it on the show if you say something nice. So please do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and with that, go get your Christmas stick. Go get your Christmas stick. If you are and in a Christmas not, stick, it is time. <laughs> and if you're not, then go... Um, um, possess a car and get it to run down homophobes. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh. Bye. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>